Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone, our guest today is Brad Eisenhuth and Brad had so many great insights we actually decided to split it into two episodes which this is the first one and you can find all the detailed show notes at sitnshow.com slash podcast slash 014. Now Brad is actually the founder and CEO of The Outperformer, an online career management platform which is dedicated to the accounting and finance community and provides members with various supports such as webinars, one-to-one consulting, mentors, subject matter experts and others in the community to help accountants and finance professionals to work through their career challenges and decisions. And Brad also does a lot of work with organisations enabling their employers to access best-in-class thinking to deliver better results Um, all through the power of career development in finance and accounting. On this first part of our interview with Brad, some of the key points uh, he shares with us are the six key challenges and growth areas that we in finance can continue to develop upon. Also, what non-finance leaders actually want from professionals in accounting and finance. And I really like some research he did and he shares that with us on finance business partnering. And, And actually to go with that, he also shares a very amusing and interesting analogy about how a reverse steering bike can actually help us become better business partners. So look, there was so much content on the show, we had to split it over two episodes. To find out more about Brad, go to www.theoutperformer.co for more information on career management, uh, planning uh, for the accounting and finance professional. And I'm just really delighted to have Brad on the show. So without further ado, over to Brad and the show. Brad, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Andy, for, for sharing that with your audience. I know, Brad, really, really great to have you here and uh, appreciate it's early start for you all the way in, in Sydney, Australia. I mean, I know we've spoken previously and, and I've gotten to, to know you a bit more uh, as well as the impact you're making for our profession on the other side of the world. But for some people in the audience who perhaps would like to know more about you, would you mind sharing a bit more about your story with us? Yeah, absolutely, Andy. It'd be my pleasure. I'll, I'll take you back a little bit and I think this provides some context to why and what I do now in the accounting finance community. But uh, I, I started life leaving high school. I picked up a scholarship uh, with, as to study engineering and it was um, uh, sponsored by a, a large uh, energy group here in Australia. And at the same time, I was also contracted to play with an NRL club. And, and uh, at a, the age of 18 and 19, I, I played primarily reserve grade for that club. And there was a lot going on in my life. And I was you know, really busy and really driven. But uh, to be honest with you, I probably wasn't you know, driving my career towards anything particularly that I was super passionate about. I was just following this, this concept of achievement and I was managing to do fairly well. But I got injured. Um, I had a few things change and uh, I ultimately decided that engineering wasn't a path that I wanted to follow. Um, So I found myself in this place where I was looking to explore alternatives and and build a career. And a, a friend of mine basically introduced me to this job search training type group here in Australia. Um, And at the age of 20, I think it was, or 19, I was thrown into the deep end to work 
um, supporting people to transition between jobs and given a lot of support to get up to speed but ultimately a lot of it was instinctively working with individuals to solve problems that they were facing and was working with a really broad range of people and I just decided that, you know, that was great for the time, but I then thought it was really good to put that into practice and work in recruitment. Now, for me, I was probably one of those frustrated recruiters. I, you know, I think for anyone that's listening to this podcast that would have dealt with recruiters over the years, the industry has some negative stigmas around the way that, uh, the, you know, customers, essentially their core product are treated. I found that really disappointing during my time in the industry. But at the same time, I really loved what I did and, and I was highly successful. I worked through a great career, worked with some excellent CFOs and leaders in my entire career, was working with accounting and finance professionals over 11 years. And I, I really focused on trying to understand the individual and, and did a lot of research and did a lot of thinking about this during that time. And one of the things I decided to do as a, a recruitment executive was to write a book on you know, the career of the finance professional and really unpack why certain people were achieving their goals or achieving this version of success they had for themselves and why certain people weren't. And that for, for a lot of people, there's a lot of frustration built up in careers, you know, they're working in environments that they're not particularly happy with, doing jobs that they don't see value in, don't feel rewarded by, you know, waking up in the morning and seeing it as just a job and not something they can be genuinely passionate about. And I could see there's a, this pent up energy in a lot of people, particularly in Australia with those that I dealt with directly. Um, so writing that book was a really nice way for me to, to, to engage with the community in a different way and, and, and support and provide some value back. You know, these people that fundamentally have been funding my my lifestyle and my career for a long time. And so that book uh, spawned into me creating programs and developing different things that, that would help the industry move forward. I created a program called the CFO Incubator here in Sydney, and that still um, exists and is run by the recruitment firm that I ran, uh, I, I worked for and, uh, and led. And decided, look, I, I'm going to bring and move away from recruitment and move away from this environment that potentially didn't drive me as an individual and started up an organization called The Outperformer, which you mentioned before. And The Outperformer initially and, and, and still to this day is an online platform. Um, and one of the focuses was bringing webinars of through the you know basically capturing the voice of CFOs executives different leaders in our community and bringing bringing these ideas uh, that we're all talking about to life and uh, through their own journey, you know, talking about challenges that they've overcome, talking about ways they've created value in their business, you know, and, and going through the topics that are really relevant to being uh, fundamentally successful uh, in in their own career. And um, so that was a starting point. Now, where that spawned to from here is uh, our business does this this online webinar piece, which is free, and anyone can go on and, and digest that information. But now, what we do is a lot of one to one consulting. We we introduce people to mentors within the community. We've got a really large community that are willing to give back, and we've really encouraged this idea of giving back to the community. So we've got CFOs, different finance leaders, different people in in our community that are willing to mentor others, and that's been a fantastic support service that we've created. And now what we do is we bring programs to groups and, and organizations uh, around the different key challenges and growth areas of the finance function. So a lot of this has to do with uh, areas such as collaboration, influence, uh, design thinking, uh, solving problems uh, with the business and dealing with this whole concept of partnership, creating a lot of work now around the future of financial modeling and using visualization tools, using tools to 
to drive insights back to the business in a much more efficient way. And these are things that are really starting to change the game. Um, and we're seeing this being adopted into the organizations we're working with and the individuals that are applying some of these skills and it's working really well. So I'm really proud of where it's gone. And I guess for me, it's just a case of seeing how far we can take it. Fantastic. There's a few things that, you know, on that intro, Brad, uh, that really stood out to me was you were mentioning areas that perhaps aren't typically financial or numbers related, like collaboration, design thinking, putting the customer first, customer centric from a, from like a finance perspective. Maybe they're not traditionally areas we've covered in our exams or our syllabuses or, or with our accounting bodies. So is that what's driving it? What sort of driving the move towards these other, other areas in your mind? Well, there's a couple of things. So first of all, when you look at the career success of individuals that are really moving through and, and creating a lot of um, growth in their own careers and looking at, well, what are they doing differently? What are they actually creating for their organization such that a CEO, a GM, an MD is willing to promote them through the organization and move into the CFO chair? And even at some stages beyond that into to other areas of the business. And, you know, there's this commonality that fundamentally – Everything we do through our education as an accounting or finance professional, you know, doing a accounting qualification, um, the, the general foundational skills we develop, that they're now basically moot points. They're they're just hygiene factors, as we call them. And so these hygiene factors no longer differentiate you and are no longer seen as uh, important or as valuable to the business. They're just expected, and. As a result, you know, we started to look at this career success and saying, well, if these individuals are, are A, being rewarded for what they're doing, and that is, um, you know, dealing with the organization to solve problems, being intrinsically involved in, in complex decisions and supporting business uh, decisions to be as successful as possible, and ultimately being a, a business leader as opposed to an accountant, um, you know, that's where we started to move the conversation. And, you, you know, when we have started to analyze and deal with uh, non-finance leaders and, and look at what they're looking for and saying, well, what do you want from the finance function? What are you trying to, to uh, capture in terms of importance? Now, the first thing that we typically see is that at a base level, they definitely want to see accuracy. They want to see an accounting function that gives them the right information. But that, again, going back to my point before, that is an expectation and, and now a hygiene factor for most of these businesses that we deal with. And, and when it goes wrong, there's a lot of credibility lost with respect to the finance function. But beyond that, it's that ability to understand and empathize and really appreciate what the business is doing. You know, I spoke to a head of um, marketing earlier on this year in, in quite a lot of detail about his experiences around uh, finance and, and the creation of value. And he said, one of the big things that I see is that accountants aren't really trying to understand the business. You know, if they would just spend some time in our shoes, they would really be able to appreciate the things that we're working through and, and, and actually be really valuable in some of the challenges that we're working through. Now, of course, um, there's always this, you know, there's seen this, this battle between um, departments in some organizations, but I think where we're starting to move to in business more broadly is this sense of, you know, shared value and, and a common purpose and, and the ability to take an organization on its journey together and um, to help the accounting and finance community do that and play a really key role to me is is, is quite important. And, and it's, it's interesting that the business is sort of asking accountants and finance professionals to step up in, in those ways. And, you know, I hear it myself, putting ourselves in other people's shoes. But we're back to 
a comment I saw you put up on LinkedIn. You know, you you'd done a bit of research out, and I think it was business partnership skills. They were rated at six point six out of ten on the the research you'd done, and a good proportion of those respondents, I think it was around forty percent, still felt that their role was spent on low value tasks. So, what in your mind is is holding us back from making the leap, or or at least improving those numbers? Oh, you know, Andy, it's a really complex question and there's a few moving parts within that so I don't think there's any one issue and and I think if you went to every finance professional there would be certain strengths that they have and certain things that are holding them back at an individual level and we see this quite consistently not every finance professional um, you know delivers their role in the same way and not everyone has built their career in the same way so I think we've got to really acknowledge that first but you know First of all is the infrastructure in an organization. There's a lot of people saying they don't have the time to address or put their energy towards, um, you know, the to these business partnership activities. Now, you know, when you break that down, for some people that is actually an excuse or a fear. It's, well, I'm really busy and I feel very comfortable yeah. doing this BAU stuff and reporting and, and you, know, this, you know, getting stuff done piece um, is, is good for me, right? And, and for me to go and uh, be exposed and potentially go into some difficult conversations in areas where I'm not as comfortable um, is not easy. So, therefore, I'm going to call that uh, I'm really busy and I don't have the time. For other people, they actually don't have the time. They, they are, um, you know, their finance leadership group are – fundamentally positioning them as doers and deliverers and rewarding that delivery and not necessarily rewarding their engagement with the business or engagement with other parts of their finance function to look at strategies to partner internally or or within their group. So, you know, there's a little bit of a breakdown there around that infrastructure and the system and the environment that creates, um, I guess, success for business partnership. I think broadly there's this concept around communication and influence that isn't necessarily supported in the accounting and finance community at an early stage of careers. You know, when you think about the first quarter, the first five, six, seven, eight years of a a typical accountant's career, they're rewarded for doing, they're rewarded for getting things done, the quality of the work, the accuracy of the work, which is all fantastic and it's a really important thing to appreciate. But it goes back to that old saying, what gets you here doesn't get you there. You know, the as, as a, a leader yeah. and in business, you know, we start to change the way we behave. And, and for organizations to say, go and be a good business partner, it's not that easy. You know, we, we all know what business partnership looks like. If you go onto LinkedIn, there's a million articles about business partnership. The real challenge is allowing and supporting individuals to go through that journey of change and start adapting their style. Uh, one of the things we, we bring in a, a supporter to our business, a facilitator, a guy called Lindsay Spencer Matthews. He's a, a TED speaker and he's a psychologist and he's got some fantastic uh, strategies that he works with to understand this concept of change of behavior. And he talks about this, this idea of the reverse steering bike. And the reverse steering bike is basically this same analogy for what we talk about when it comes to becoming a better business partner. When we grow up, we ride a normal bike. We've learned how to ride this bike for a long time. And all of a sudden, one day, someone gives you a bike that says, when you turn the handles left, the the wheel will go right. And when you turn the the handles right, the wheel will go left. Now, conceptually, that's a very simple change. There's not a lot else that changes in the bike. Every other mechanism within the bike is exactly the same. Now, when people ride this bike they fall off within a meter, two meters. Sometimes they can't even get the first pedal through. 
And you see this experiment, and what it is is it's your your brain's ability to untrain itself from all of this um, autopilot or automatic thinking that we go through, which taught us to ride the traditional bike. Now, the same thing occurs with the transition to business partnership. When we look at this experiment with the, the reverse steering bike, when, when someone gives themselves six or seven months to dedicate and deliberately learn riding this new type of bike, they can get it. And it takes a little while and they'll continue to fall off and they'll graze their knees and they'll, they'll hurt themselves occasionally along the way. Um, but of course, what happens is they get comfortable in that new environment. They, be, they learn how to ride this, this reverse steering bike and, and they ride it almost as well as they rode the, the previous traditional bike. And I think that's the journey that we're all going through in terms of this partnership or business influencer piece. For some people, they're, they're already riding that reverse steering bike and they've picked it up really quickly. But we need to acknowledge that we've actually set an environment initially that um, rewards a very different behavior. And, and now we're starting to move to a very different world. Yeah, I, I was wondering I was wondering if there was something that was holding us back uh, maybe traditionally in terms of how we'd set things up. I, I suppose for those in our audience that might be sort of caught in, in the traditional setup, is there any sort of initial steps or, or sort of pedal movements that they can make to, I suppose, start moving forwards in, in a more constructive direction? Look, I think, I think the first thing to do when you're looking at... Um, you know, if we're going to talk about partnership and that tri- that movement towards that is understanding the the grounds that you're playing on and starting to listen to the audience that that, that you serve, the, the the stakeholders that you engage with all of the time, and just ask the question, what can be done differently, so that you start spending your energy on things that are valuable. And you know that that those conversations are about what's happening in your world. What's what keeps you up at night? What are the pressures in your part of the business? You know, a lot of the conversations I have with finance professionals are that they don't necessarily know what other people are thinking and feeling and need from finance around the business. They've just done this, as I say, on that autopilot. So one of the first things you can do is start to assess what what's happening, empathize, and do some research um, around the needs of other stakeholders and think about that. And it's a good it's a good practice to go through all of the time anyway. But starting at that point and listening and and, and capturing uh, some insights around value and what that really means. Um, you know, I've got a, a contact in a large organisation in Sydney at the moment who's running a bit of an experiment, going through a change of the commercial finance function in a large uh, property group. And one of the things that he saw when he came in uh, was that the management accountants in that business were really, really busy. They were run off their feet. They were producing a lot of information for their uh, the, 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 the various stakeholders that they supported. And the first experiment he decided to do was, and this this may not be for everyone in your audience to test initially. You need to have a bit of confidence to be able to do this. Um, but he said, let's, let's stop reporting. Let's just stop our management reporting and see what happens. Now, lo and behold, all these reports that were meant to be sent out via an email were never received and, and not a lot of feedback came back from the business. Um, no one had actually challenged, hey, where's, where's my monthly report? Um, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so all of these people, therefore, you know, if you think about your role, you're saying, oh, my God, what? I do all this work and is it actually being valued? Of course, within yeah. that work, there's a lot of value and there's a lot of insight and there's a lot of information that is extremely valuable to these these business leaders that they're working with. The key is how do you deliver that information in a way that 
actually makes a difference to that person? Um, how do you engage with them such that they uh, they see that information in the way that makes sense to them? Now, in that organisation, potentially, you know, if we're if we're working across, you know. 12 different GMs, 12 different GMs may need information delivered to them in a very different way. And our ability to to be a little bit flexible and adapt to the needs of this this business um, is key. Now, of course, you don't need to reinvent the wheel all the time. You ideally want to have some foundational structures within your function to 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 lean on. And but of course, the delivery in that that sort of one percenter piece, that, that that moment where you engage with uh, a, another stakeholder to talk to them about an issue or talk to them about insights in the business, you know, is it valuable? Is it relevant? Does that make a difference what's the the needs and knowledge of that particular person you're dealing with and where are they at on their journey but as i say if you go back to that starting point just listening uh, you know one of the guys i work with who does a lot of work in business partnership is his mantra is there's a reason we have two ears in one mouth first um, we can um we can sometimes get a feel for where the value lies i love that saying i think that's great advice for anyone on the show is that we have two ears and one mouth you know let's use the ears twice as much as we use the mouth and that's a good starter yeah for everyone Brad, I, I, I think it's, re- I just say, get some really refreshing perspectives here. I can't help but feel, though, you know, there's some technical accounting sides that people are of the view just needs to be in a particular way and I don't need to do any business partner. What are your thoughts on that? Business partnering, should everyone be doing it? Should we be talking to our customers internally and externally or one or the other? Or is business partnering necessary for everyone, I guess? We're in business. We're always dealing with other people. I I, I think there are functions within a, a you know compliance functions and technical accounting issues that um, will be deemed by some non finance folk as noise in their mind. You know, and <laughs> and of course, you know that's the the stakeholders that you'll engage in some of these issues may not be you know the the non finance leaders in the organisation. However, they are highly important, as we all know. They they can have some huge repercussions on an organization and, and decisions that are made. So picking the time when that is relevant to broader business conversations and understanding where we're going first um, is, a, is a really good starting point to, to understand, well, you know, if I do have, an, a, you know, there are changes in, you know, for example, in accounting standards that are going to impact our organization you know, that needs to be raised and that needs to be dealt with and, and, and the conversation needs to be around what's in it for our business, not what's in it for the accounting function. And uh, so there's absolutely no doubt that there are, you know, the entire accounting function by nature, regardless of whether it's compliance-based or, or more partnership-based, exists for a reason. You know, one of the things that I, I suggest when we look at value, you know, people say to me all of the time, I want to add value in my role. I want to do, do something that's valuable and it's this buzzword value right (laughs) I I take them back to well let's define value what is value within an organization now there's two things that that help you understand value the first is if I remove that function does it create a problem if I don't do it will it will it make things bad (laughs) and if it does that then it is probably valuable now, the, the question is, does it always get the limelight that it requires from others or might you might appreciate? It may not. You know, people may not provide a song and dance and really celebrate that. But the important piece is it's part of the, the machine that needs to occur. And to appreciate in your mind that this is really valuable and there's a reason you are, are delivering that, that piece of work and to tie that to business objectives. The second piece is, 
what is the problem you're solving in your business and how can I contribute that with the acumen that I have, the financial insights, the information that I'm able to capture across an organization. And value lies at the intersection of that problem and the solution. When you think about the, the, the person who's measuring the value, it's really the person that's capturing that solution. So, you know, is it the shareholder? Is it the, the your manager? Is it the, the CEO or the, the, the executive group? Is it the board that's measuring it? You know, value is different to everyone. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers. 